0: you are listening to the let's talk about sex trafficking podcast your co-hosts christy wells and Brittany dunn will interview survivors industry experts and community leaders who are committed to increasing survivor identification beyond one percent this is the first step to ending child sex trafficking in america by 2030 join us for real facts real stories and real ways you can be part of the movement to end child trafficking
1: Brittany and I founded Safe House Project in 2018, it was because we wanted to make a difference in combating trafficking. We all have got to do our part, and we want to help you understand the national landscape. We want to help you understand the importance of individuals, corporations, and communities uniting to end child sex trafficking in America. We are so excited to have our guest on today. Dan Black is a dear friend. We met through some partnerships a couple of years ago, and we have just yeah. valued him and his perspective so much. We refer to him oftentimes as Dan the dad, because he <laughs> is not only incredible in his business world, but he is incredible in the parenting world and somebody who has really honest, candid conversations with his kids in order to really protect them. So Dan, thanks for being on today.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. And I appreciate the kudos as a dad. We're just Making it up as we go along every single day.
1: <laughs> I think
2: that's what parenting is it's bribery and making it up most days, but some of yeah. us might get it right and some might get it wrong along but the way.
0: Absolutely agree. And that's not specific just to dads, right? It's parents in general. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, tell us
0: a little bit about you. So, a little bit about Dan, kind of in a nutshell. I'm a Marine Corps kid, so grew up all over the place. Means my dad was gone a lot. You all are familiar with that, being military wives, which makes me a mama's boy. She's number one. I'm the middle of five boys. uh, So, you know, I, I know how to fight and we're allowed to fight with each other, but not with anybody else. I'm a husband to one lovely lady, who's probably the brains of the operation. And a father of two, I've got a 14 year old boy and a 10 year old girl. Professionally, I'm really passionate about learning and development, which is how we got involved with each other, helping people build effective design curriculums that are learner centered in who they're trying to reach. But I'm also really passionate about small to mid-sized businesses. I left the corporate world back in 1998 and have been involved in entrepreneurship and startup and small to mid-sized businesses. And then last but not least, you all both know this story, right? Avoiding... I wouldn't say avoiding, that's not the right word. Choosing not to go the military route because when that was an option for me, I couldn't become what both your husbands are, which are pilots, which was all I wanted to do. But the Marine Corps was not guaranteeing you flight status back then. So I went into business instead. But because I have a Marine Corps dad who instilled in me the uh, need to give back to the community and a mom who instilled in me a desire to protect those who uh, can't protect themselves or who can't advocate for themselves. I also have a passion for nonprofits and and helping out in not only my local community with certain groups, but also national groups, big problems. That's kind of me in a nutshell. Anything else there?
2: No, I think it's great because you're a problem solver and you're somebody who every time that we talk, you're like, oh, I'm trying to be creative in this way and solve this problem differently or think about how we can address hard issues in a really new way. And so it's always amazing to hear about how you're uh, driving innovation through a lot of different sectors. And I love that part.
0: It's an honor to do it. And it's an honor to be part of everything that you all are doing, you're forces to be reckoned with. I know in your prep you said, what moved you to become part of this anti-trafficking movement? And I think just once I met you, you went, oh, you're a part of it now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I don't we know that you moved in. is the accurate term. <laughs> But hearing your passion and how you all were approaching the topic, and then also the need that you had was, and you know, my dad always said, time, talent, and treasure is what you have to give. And I find that a lot of times the treasure doesn't really have the impact that most people hope it will. Whereas time and talent can be really useful for folks, especially when you don't have a lot of treasure. But I think getting involved in that first initial curriculum design event with you all was really eye-opening for me, just because the way that we approached it, getting the kids in the room, Uh, And I remember that that one point where we had to tell the parents, you have to stop reacting to what they're saying, because this is their reality, right? This is what they deal with day in and day out. And you can't stop that, because that's out in the world. It was certainly eye-opening for me. But that's kind of the impetus of all of this. And and ever since then, just wherever I can help out, I want to get involved, because it's important with the amount of people that are impacted here in the nation and globally, here in Charlotte, our local community, the impact this issue is having on our community and communities across the nation is something that's really important to address.
2: You bring up that design centered, um, thinking and uh, exercise that we got to do together. And I know there were a few shockers in there as we all went through it with a bunch of <laughs> middle school and high school students. They had a lot yeah. to tell us that I think we all had an idea of some of the activities that happen in those age ranges, but. Not always and so what what were some of those standout things for you because your kids are where right in that same age frame too as we were, we were going through
0: that Yeah they are and they continue to be and the environment continues to evolve. So for me it was first of all access when you, in old days, we would go to school and my parents, I think they would worry about a creepy guy on the playground, which everybody could see the creepy guy on the playground and you knew to stay away from him. And you kind of watched when folks were being, you know, walked back from school. Everything was very tangible, I think is probably the overall thing. And in today's environment, it's not tangible. You've got software that kids can access, you know, mobile or PC and, you know, things that look very innocent comments that seem very innocent. I think it's the exposure. You can't see the creepy person on the playground anymore. You can't see the, the kid being bullied. You're not seeing the black eye when they come home from getting whacked at school. So I think what it is, is the big difference is for me when I was growing up, it was the tangible things that my parents could react to. They see something, they say something, they do something. Whereas now, a lot of the the danger that's out there, you can't see. You almost have to go looking for it or be wary of it. And I think just hearing how the kids were not only interacting with one another was kind of a shocker, but also the lack of awareness of the long-term effects of what they were doing. Like just the complete incomprehension that everything that's happening on their devices and online is out there now and they're exposed. It takes me all the way back to when Mason, we take a different approach to cell phones with our children. We actually give them a a non-cell enabled Wi-Fi phone early. So about eight is when you get it. And then you get to practice on Wi-Fi, which is obviously very heavily controlled because we're here in the house. And then you get cell at 10 and that's usually when you're riding bikes to friend's house so that we can kind of track you around. But we teach them, here's what happens on the cell phone. And I'll never forget, Mason, sixth grade came home and said, Daddy, I'm part of this big chat stream and look at this language. And I was like, well, that's cool. Thanks for telling me. Here's how you exit yourself from it. And it wasn't but about three days later, the sixth graders were just, hey, show me a picture of you. Show me your new bra. Show me this and show me your new underwear. And here they are on a chat stream with 30 kids. And you get a couple of kids in trouble for probably not completely malicious, but partially malicious, you know, behavior or just uninformed behavior. So it's uh, you know, you're going to give them something like that. You've got to also empower them to use it properly and, and also, you know, set some real ground rules about what to expect. Hopefully that answered, I got off on a tangent there for a little bit. Sorry.
1: <laughs> no, that's great. And I think it's so helpful to even see your proactive approach to technology with your kids. Cause a lot of parents, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And so it's easy to say, okay, Okay, I'm going to kind of stick my head in the sand and either say you don't get any of this or it's the other end of the spectrum where it's they get it and it's not monitored. So how have you kind of navigated that space of allowing your kids to have, you know, Xbox? We've talked about that in the past and have some of those digital freedoms, but also set those expectations and those boundaries and those open communications with them. Talk a little bit about what that's looked like for you.
0: Sure. So, thanks for asking that question. It's a journey for sure, especially as as technology has progressed and and even with COVID how it has become even more of a necessary lifeline for I mean, with COVID, that's how my children connect with their friends is online. So I would say what I did was I always started small and started early. I'll never forget. I think Mason was about four and I had a conversation with a guy in an airport back when I was traveling a lot. And he was talking about how his 16 year old got a phone for the first time and pretty much hit like seven of the top ten don't do this with your cell phone activities uh, in the first two weeks and got into trouble. And he was sort of beside himself, and I remember thinking to myself, how might I avoid that scenario? And so just like anything else, you don't want to hand this very powerful tool, but also powerful weapon to someone without educating them on how to use it. And so it doesn't matter whether you're teaching people how to drive or gun safety, anything where you've got a really dangerous tool, which a cell phone or a computer online access is, You want to ease them into it and give them rules along the way, sort of instill it. And so we've made that part of how our family works. And so with Xbox, it was, okay, well, let's get into Xbox. Let's read the Xbox stuff on how we can monitor chat. And then let's give Mason some really clear rules on what he can and cannot say on xbox you know if he's if we have chat enabled here's how you turn chat off when there's bad language if people are asking you your name you tell them your gamer tag name because that's what gives you anonymity online if people ask your age you don't tell them if you ask where you're from you don't tell them if you ask what school you go to you don't give them any personal information about yourself and if they get upset or continue to pry You say, hey, my dad doesn't let me, so blame me. Make me the bad guy. Because let's face it, dads universally are either awesome or the bad guy. So I don't mind being (laughs) the bad guy to protect Mason, give him an excuse to lean into. So that was it. And same with Sophia. She didn't really gravitate towards the Xbox. She gravitated more towards uh, the Roblox games. And so then there's the chat streams in Roblox and what's going on with Roblox. And then it's, you know, while you're hovering around them, what's going on? Who's online with you? You know, who are you playing with right now? What's this game all about? What's the object of this game? More from a curiosity versus a monitoring type of tone. So it's almost Mm -hmm. the question is a curious tone Mm -hmm. because kids are sharp, right? They're a lot sharper than we ever give them credit for. And they know when you're monitoring, when you're probing, when you're interrogating. So you want to get them used to that curiosity. So they're like, oh, yeah, dad, so-and-so is online. Oh, yeah, where are they from? And, you know, then they'll tell you, oh, they go to school with me. Oh, I don't know where they're from. Oh, cool. How'd you meet them? You know? And so everything's, oh, cool. Oh, cool. You know, it's just moving the conversation forward. Or sometimes it's just when they say something, I almost, I like to repeat the last, don't tell Mason this, but I like to repeat the last three words that he said with a little question mark on the side. Yeah. You know, tumbleweed 65, seven is online tumbleweed 65, seven. And he's, oh yeah, tumbleweed. And then he tells me the story and I don't have to actually interrogate him. And same with Sophia, you know, you, when she's on Roblox, we come in, we kind of monitor, you just sort of hover, what room are you in? What's the point of this particular game? What's going on in the chat stream? And then I'll see stuff in the chat and I'll go, what does that mean? Because kids, they use like four letters to communicate an entire paragraph now. <laughs> and, and so I'm curious, I want to be educated. Mm-hmm. So I want to know. And you run into opportunities to interrupt and have coaching moments there. And there's been a number of times my kids make mistakes online. You know, one time I walked in and Sophia shut down Roblox. Like anytime you see the alt tab get hit real quick or the screen change really quick, you know, something was there that they think you don't want to see. And so now you have to press. And so, you know, one time Sophia was in one of the online games and there was Four people talking on the screen and then she shut and she went upstairs and she was crying. So I follow her up and really gentle, you know, you're walking through what happened. I'm not going to get mad and let's talk about this. And we're learning how to act online. And it takes some real patience. And man, I had stuff to do that day. It was Saturday. But, you, you know, this is important. So you had to be present. And then let mommy know, too. That was the other part. Communicate with your partner. Here's what's going on in their world. Here's what we heard. Here's what happened. Here's what we're trying to reinforce. And it seems innocuous enough, right, or or innocent enough. There were four or five people in Roblox who were taking off their virtual clothes. But there's the start. There's something where you don't know. Was that innocent? Or is there some creepy guy that you can't see in some playground somewhere, right? And then for Mason, it was, (laughs) you know, and it's always, it seems like it's always dudes who sound like me who are uh doing bad stuff on the other end of the phone you know for mason it was i walked in and he was listening to the chat and his face wrinkled up and he had his earphones on i said what happened he's like this guy is just cussing cussing on the chat and so I, I i pull his earphones off and i put them on and i've got the mic and you know here it is some guy sounds like me he's just lighting up with bombs this that and the other thing he's yelling essentially at mason who is gamertag And I was like, hey, bro, you're on an open channel with a minor and you're cussing. I'm going to report you to Xbox. You know, this sort of thing. This is his dad. So you need to get offline or you need to shape up how you act. It's just that simple. And Mace was, he disappeared. Gone he was, right? (laughs) But still, you know, then you follow up. Then you go, you report him to Xbox. You do this, you do that. Xbox sends you a little note that says, thank you for reporting. We're going to follow up with this person. They've been blocked for this behavior. And Xbox follows all that as well as all the games. So finding ways to you know, finding ways to watch over your kids and be present online is something that we spend a lot of time doing. Another thing is their cell phones. If you have a cell phone and you want a cell phone, which is a privilege, you submit to us picking up your cell phone at any one occasion and going through your chats. Sorry, those are the rules. Yeah. And so they're all cool. I was like, all right, it's chat audit time. Now I don't sit there and read. I don't wanna know what's going on in their life. But what I am doing is I'm scanning just really quickly scanning through the chats once every two or three months, you know, what's going on in your world, right? Then if I see something that's an alarm, I don't say, what are you doing here? I say, can you tell me a little bit more about what's going on here? You know, because I'm concerned and I want to make sure that we don't end up in the bad space. And when you start that process early, when they're eight or they're nine or they're 10, by the time, Mason's 14 or 15, right? You know, he's, he's a smelly boy now. He likes to shower with the door closed and all this others because he's starting to be turning into a young man as same with Sophia. For those two, they don't consider it an invasion of privacy. They consider it, you know, me just watching over them. And I I think probably the evidence of success is when they have an issue that they have a question, they feel safe coming to myself or to Blair to figure things out. But it was a process to earn that level of trust. Uh, that give you a couple of things
1: <laughs> and i what I love is how you turn them into teaching moments for me as a parent i've got you know the twin nine-year-old boys and a seven-year-old daughter and they're you know having those conversations often and early i think is a really great tip because then it becomes teaching moments that they're used to not moments of, of penalty and I, I really appreciate the way that you ask questions um, and give them an opportunity to explain versus making the assumption that um, they're doing something wrong and allows them to almost create their own analysis of their own behavior. And sometimes they go, oh, oh that probably wasn't right, was it? Yeah. And so I think that's great. Speaking of a different technology, one of the things that I've found to be really effective as a parent, especially for young kids, because uh, I don't know what all the apps are that are out there. I don't know all the things to monitor and there's a tool called Bark that I've really liked, and it kind of does all that spot checking for me. That if there is something, um, you can set the settings for violence, for sexual content, for language, and it scans all of these social media apps, text messages, emails, all of those things. Keeps kind of a running scan going of looking for any of that content. That app's been really good for identifying suicidality and bullying and different things like that. Um, but it flags it and actually sends a notification to my phone that says, hey, this is something for you to review. And I have the settings set very strictly. And so actually the very first flag that I got was actually a Safe House Project email had been (laughs) (laughs) sent. And so it it referenced sex because it's sex trafficking. And so even that level of vetting was getting kicked back to me. But again, some of it, you know, I got something for violence the other day and i read it and it was an article that my kid had submitted to his teacher online and it was all about a sloth that decided he didn't want to be a sloth anymore and he got really angry and decided he was going to go to war against these other really <laughs> like
0: that. it was been like the longest war on the planet right <laughs> it
1: was it was war it was a couple of you know words that involved fighting and so it flagged sure. it but so obviously i have it set on the strictest setting but There are, I think, great ways to technology can be used for good or it can be used for evil, but it can also be used to monitor. And I think there are some really effective tools out there for parents to be proactive. and, And you are great about spot checking your kids' phones, but there's cool ways, I think, to see technology come alongside and help you. The guy who launched Bark was a parent who just said, Oh gosh, he'd helped launch Twitter and some other things, and then as a parent goes, oh gosh, what, what did I do? Right. How do I monitor this? And so developed the AI to help. How monitor. do I
0: how do I monitor the technology that I created? Hmm. But, talk, about, talk about coming full circle. That's awesome. I, I wasn't familiar with Bark, and and I want to look into it. But you bring up a good point. Right, every any time they get an app, you can't know. I don't know how many. What are there? A billion apps now? It's crazy. And so how do you monitor all those? Obviously, at their age, they have to go through us to approve the download of them. But what I do is I teach them, here's what the user license looks like. You need to figure out how they're going to use your data, right? If it's a free app, they're making money somehow. And so the only way they're going to be making money is through ads or through data. And then we all have, I kind of have these emails set up for them that all, crawl up to one email. So there is one person out there right now. And I won't say it on this podcast because then it'll give it away who the internet can't figure out what personality this person is because it is, is this a 14 year old boy? Is this a 47 year old dude? Is this, and I'm not going to say a, a beautiful lady and where do they live? Cause everybody's information rolls up into <laughs> that. So I'm trying to confuse the internet by flooding it with information <laughs> with a specific profile. But there's another, actually, and I, we were talking about this, sitting on my front porch is uh, is an Amazon box from new mesh networks. And so these are AI mesh networks that your old routers used to be really difficult to go in and set up. Whereas now you're starting to get apps that are being downloaded for games like Rocket League or, or Roblox where players can trade offline, almost like. It's this whole separate economy of, you know, Rocket League bucks or what have you. So Mason asked if he could download something. I I read into it. It looked legit. But man, if I didn't start getting breach notifications or attempted breach notifications from all those different places uh, on the web. And Google's really great about that. And Apple's really great about that. And so it was like, hey, someone's trying to break this account somewhere along the way. And so I was like, Mason, what did we do? And he's the one who thought of it. Actually, he said, "Hey, we downloaded that Rocket League app." And I said, "Yeah, let's get that bad boy off your phone, and you know, tell your friends not to download it." And so, you know, he was on this little mission to protect his friends from breaches from, you know, nefarious teenagers in Russia trying to get credit card numbers
1: or <laughs> something. So the new uh, network that you're setting up, what does it do?
0: Everything I was reading, I went with the ASUS network. It's AI Mesh, M-E-S-H, and essentially, it's. A network that you set up external AT&T or whoever comes into the house and then you plug that internet access into the mesh network and now you can do a whole bunch of other things you can limit certain devices bandwidth you can limit time that those devices have access to the internet you can parent controls and it's all through this What I was watching online was this really easy user interface and then also improves bandwidth. So when I'm playing games online with Mason, we don't lag or anything. (laughs) This is why I started. And by happy accident, there's a lot of really cool things that you can do to get into it and set it up. So I'm I'm super excited. That's my Friday evening is a bottle of wine and setting up the new mesh network and everybody's just going to have to be, not the whole bottle, just the glass or two. (laughs) Otherwise, it's not going to get set up properly. I love um, that you're yeah.
2: taking the bandwidth from Blair's work to make sure that your <laughs> gaming system is optimized.
0: yeah, going- well, So we have the office, and that's one of the things <laughs> she's complained about, being kicked off a VPN every time Mason sneaks away from high school to go play Rocket League upstairs, or he and his sister play Minecraft, which is really another great game. But you know, she's like, I just got kicked off VPN again, and I'll go, I'm running at 10 megabits per second. This is ridiculous. So part of it is to limit their bandwidth accessibility during certain hours of the day as well, so that they experience latency on Minecraft and our calls like this (laughs) work perfectly.
2: I think Christy needs this for her entire neighborhood because... I
1: absolutely do.
0: Her
2: connections are awful during COVID. All
0: right, so I'll send you all of this. As as soon as I get it all set up, I'll give you the one pager on it. Share it with your friends. Your
1: whole neighborhood. Oh, <laughs> I, I feel like far too feel, many of us working from home.
0: Yeah, I think that might be above my pay grade there.
1: <laughs> but our schools haven't gone back. So there everybody is fully online. There's there is no in-person education and most of the workers are still digital. So that's fine. Um, we'll we'll figure it out. But I'm all for stealing my children's bandwidth to greatly support <laughs> my, increasing mine.
0: Yeah. I'm I'm excited for it. Also, just from the monitoring perspective, it's another thing that's integrated into an overall, you got a lot of stuff to worry about as a parent. So you just schedule time to worry about it. That's what I do. Cause you can't worry about it all the time. Otherwise you wouldn't get anything done. You can't put right. the kids in the bubble and I don't want to end up going, Hey, here's a phone at 16. Good luck figuring it out. I mean, I remember what I was like at 16 and I wouldn't have handed me a phone at 16 at all. (laughs) (laughs) They'd be like, you're not going to believe what this thing does.
2: I love that. I just love your heart for making sure that your kids are safe online, sharing that information. I mean, so much of preventing trafficking and preventing predatory behavior in our communities is really about each of us taking ownership of our own little world and figuring out the ways to keep our kids safe, but then translating that information to other people. Not everybody feels technologically apt and so it's how do we make it easy on them and sometimes saying hey there is this great tool that you could do that's super easy that helps keep your kids safe by extension my kids safe and in terms of healthier communities means that we all are a little bit on watch for one another and it's that village effect to helping raise healthier kids and healthier people
0: yeah, Brittany, I couldn't agree more. And that's probably the third component when we talk about all this stuff. And you all are familiar with the neighborhood that I live in. And, you know, it's very intentional. It takes a village. We've got we've got a really eclectic neighborhood here. And all the parents watch out for all the other kids. The rule is if your kid's in my yard, I'm their parent, right? And I'm there to watch over them. And I think I told you all this story. Maybe it was last year. Mason and friends, they biked home from middle school, which is about a mile away, through What's probably an urban area with its own little pockets of danger zones, we would kind of call them. And I'll never forget, Mason came home, and this speaks to your comment, Brittany, about being present and then also being connected. The kids come home and uh, they've all got ice cream. And I said, How'd you get ice cream? And Mason says, Oh, well, we got $20 from the guy at social status. And it was the guy at social status. And there's that three questions. It's like, whoa, you took $20 from a stranger. What's wrong with you, kid? No, I went the guy at social status. And he goes, yeah, yeah, Chris at social status. We stop in there and social status is a shoe store not too far from the house. I was like, really? OK, well, when are you going to pay Chris back? He said, like, oh, he said we didn't have to pay him back. You didn't have to pay him back. And so it's like, well, no, we got to pay Chris back, right? People can't be giving you money randomly. And so we walked down there with $20 because I want to meet Chris. I want to put eyes on Chris and I want Chris to put eyes on me. And it turns out Chris is just a really nice guy who owns a really cool shoe store and he sees the kids go by and he seems really cool, but, I didn't know that until I met Chris, and I knew Chris knew me, and I knew Chris, and we both looked at each other, and he goes, hey, man, I'm glad to see you're here. Your kids come by all the time. We traded cell phone numbers, Uh, and I said, yeah, man, if you see them go by or see something happen, I would love it if you just give me a ping, and he's like, happy to do it. They're great kids, and we've got a whole network of parents who do that sort of thing. Now, I mean, it could have gone a different direction. Chris could have been a creep, and then maybe Chris would have known, hey, man, this isn't a pool you want to swim in because it's not full of guppies it's full of sharks and you know you, you probably need to go to a, a softer target right because that's people go after the product that's a softer target just being present can scare folks away and and knowing that there's a network of people who are watching that's why i love your on watch stuff just knowing there's a network of people who are watching uh, people just want to go to softer targets
1: absolutely and the more we can make communities really on watch and it equip parents to know what to look for to your point we were all raised to know to look out for the creepy dude in the white van down the street but now that looks different and so it's how do we equip all of the parents the teachers and the little league coaches to know what to look for because when we do then that allows us to be proactive in how we prevent it and how we protect them and and how we engage in those conversations but Kudos to you as a friend, as another parent who's really having honest conversations with their kids. I think that's something we can all learn from. I really appreciate the start them young and teach them those boundaries and those healthy boundaries versus trying to keep them in a bubble. Because I'll tell you, I've been keeping my kids in a bubble and I'm just now, literally (laughs) the last three days have started going, I actually think it's time to get them a cell phone. And I think it's time to teach those healthy boundaries. And so I appreciate you paving the way for uh, parents like me to go, I can do this.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine just the great work that you all are doing, what you're exposed to on a day in and day out basis and how difficult it must be to not want to pack your children up and put them, you know, in a box (laughs) and just protect them, right? Just keep them safe. So kudos to you all for the, the bravery and the courage that you have to go out and do what you're doing. It's nice to make a nominal contribution to your very impactful effort. As we close, William Wilberforce once said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. We've all had defining moments in our lives where we faced a choice to either engage or look the other way. Make your choice now to engage. Subscribe to our podcast for future content involving how you can make a difference in stopping trafficking by 2030.